Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 253 of Wheel Bearings, we've got first drives of the Honda HRV and the Cadillac Lyric, as well as the Cadillac CT4V Blackwing, the Acura Integra, the Polestar 5 Prototype, and Honda's or Ford's new dynamic driving simulator. All coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 253 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abuol Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin from the Fast Women Podcast. And I'm Roberto Balder from N-Gadget. I like how you said that. It sounds fancy. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? N-Gadget. <laughs> and what, what, pray tell, have you been driving, uh, Mrs. Uh, Wakelin? Mrs. Wakelin. Well, that sounds very formal. Mrs. Ooh. Wakelin. Mrs. Wakelin. Or is that Ms. Wakelin? I don't, I don't know. What, what is your preferred... Uh, I, you know what? Just... Or don't be mean, and I'm fine with whatever okay. you decide to don't say. Be, um, hey, girl, how you doing? <laughs> you'll be arch. I'd appreciate you not saying that. Um, so uh, the 23 Acura Integra is what I was driving this week, which was really cool because I didn't get to do the launch for this. And many, many, many years ago, my husband's first car that he ever bought with his very own monies when we were married was an Acura Integra. So he was kind of excited to see this one, too, because it's like, oh, it's back. Um First thing, the guy who drove one and loved one back in the day, he loves this thing. He thinks it's the coolest car ever. He's really pleased. So, you know, when you think about that, like the heritage person, have they ruined the Integra? And he's like, you know, it's Do you have a manual or an automatic? Manual, six speed oh. manual. Oh, yeah. See, that's all that matters. That's it's all so that fun. You guys, this car is fun. I really like this one. So I was excited when they said I was going to get this. Um, you know, for like, because we had one, it's always neat to have a car that, like, you drove it back when it was a thing, and then they said, no, we're done with it, and then they bring it back, and you're like, okay, did you make it as cool a thing as you did last time? Yes. Yes, you did. Um, so I had the A-Spec with the technology package and the six-speed manual that we mentioned. You can also get it with a CVT if for some reason your brain is broken and you think that's a better idea. You should be getting it with a six-speed manual. Um, and if you don't know how to drive a manual, learn, and then learn. buy the Integra. This is yes. a car. This is one of those, here's your reason to learn, this car. Learn yes. how to drive one so that you can drive this. It's a fantastic manual transmission. I, it's so easy. It takes very little time to get the feel for the clutch. Nice short throw. It's just, it's fantastic. It's really fun to drive. Um, it has a 1.5 liter turbocharged four-cylinder, 200 horsepower, 192 pound-feet of torque. There's sport, comfort, normal, and individual modes. I pretty much put it in sport the whole time. You can feel you can feel a little difference as you move through the modes. It's not dramatic, but you can feel a little difference, and I liked it in sport mode. And also, it makes your instrument cluster turn red. So, like, why would you not Ooh. want that, right? That, that's then, always a good thing. So, car automatically goes faster. Unless you're colorblind to red. You know, but, what color uh, would it be? What would you see if you couldn't see red? I don't know. 
blue. I don't know. What color would turn? What, what color is it green, does it turn? Isn't green and red Isn't like it the red? Same? I thought it was, is it, is it green and red? So it looks green? Uh, if you are colorblind, know. please send us a message. Please and tell, tell us me what, what color your red dashboard looks like if you're colorblind. <laughs> I'm curious. What does everyone nothing? see? Does it not change? And how would we, how, yeah, I have, please I send have a us lot of your. Questions. We have, have a lot of colorblind if, yeah, if you're an ophthalmologist or you're colorblind, <laughs> um, please you know, let please us know. Please send us a, t- a tweet and tell us. Um, so you can put into that sport mood, which is great. It, it You know, accelerating, it's fantastic. It's very strong. I mean, 200 horsepower is not like some crazy figure. It's somewhat modest. You know, it's not low, but it's not especially high. But because you have the manual transmission, you can you can play with that a little bit. You know, you Ring have, it out. Bring yeah, it out. you have enough control. The only time that it is... Not what I would have liked it to be. And it was funny because my husband said, well, you know what? The original Tiger really kind of did the same thing. If you're on the highway and you're in sixth gear and you're flying along and you suddenly need a little bit more power to pass someone, you don't really have it. Like you can bury that gas pedal and it will accelerate. But then it's like, I'm thinking, then it's very modest. It's a very modest acceleration. Uh, You can drop back a gear to fifth. It gets a little bit better, but you just don't have that. Like once you get all the way up there. You don't have that torque. You don't have the torque. It doesn't have the torque to deliver what you want to do. So if you suddenly want to go blazing by someone, you know, turn out of your lane and go around a slower guy in the highway if you need to get extra power you're not it's not like it's terrible but it, it's the thing is it's so nice getting up to that speed and it feels so strong getting up to that speed you kind of expect it to still have that kind of aggressive acceleration at speed and it doesn't once you're up there it's like you sit here at the speed limit and you know don't plan on going fast around anyone because you can't do it so well but, that's an excuse to, to use the gear shift it is, but even even so, like you shift down, it's like you can only shift. So I mean, I'm not shifting down to second gear at 65 miles an hour. That would be bad for the car. So it's like, so you can shift down and get a little bit more. But it's sort of like oh, I wish there's a little bit more there when you were at yeah. highway speeds and just wanted to, you know, give it a little bit more gas, go around a slower vehicle. Um, but that wasn't enough to dim the fun of this car. I absolutely love driving this. It's super fun. That, like I said, the transmission is wonderful. Has accelerating up to speed is just a joy, and it's so smooth, and it has just enough like grr coming out of the engine and the exhaust without being this harsh, abrasive thing. Like if you just wanted to take this on a long road trip where you've got like a long morning commute for anybody who still has to commute, um, you can do it, and it's comfortable. And it's got you know it's got the sixty forty split folding rear seats. It's a hatchback, so it still has that really good versatility for cargo. You know you want to put something big in there, it is. What do my notes tell me? 24.3 cubic feet for cargo. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's a good amount of cargo room. It's not an SUV, but you get some of that SUV versatility with the hatchback because you can shove big bulky things in there, whatever. I don't know. Mulch. You could put some mulch. You could put a few bags of mulch in there. You could definitely put a couple bags. I have done that in our Civic. See? You could, you could, you, if you don't have a truck, buy yourself an Acura Integra. (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. Totes the same. (laughs) Um, As far as inside... The standard setup is a seven-inch touchscreen with Apple Car tra- Apple Car Charge, Apple CarPlay, <laughs> Android Auto, and an eight-speaker audio. I had because of the A spec with tech package, which is like considered a trim, um, is the top. It's got a nine-inch screen, wireless um, CarPlay, and Android Auto wireless charging, and a sixteen-speaker ELS premium audio system. So it's kind of tricked out. Uh, sounds great. I mean, the audio system is great. Um, there's also a 10.2-inch digital instrument cluster that's standard across the whole thing that we think is red unless you're colorblind. It's some other color when you're in sport mode. Um, 
And there's a 5.3 inch head up display that's an optional thing. You get it on this pad, but you don't get it on the base trims. Um, the interior, you know, this is a really good looking car. It looks good on the inside. You, you know, the Integra had this sort of history being this kind of like fun, sporty car, but not like top premium. You need to be, you know, Midas to afford it. It was a more reasonably priced car, which it still is because the base is $30,800, which is not obscene that's a decent price mm -hmm. but like i had on my trim which i said the top trim 36.895 that's still pretty reasonable it's not it you know it's keeping it under 40 that's something um <laughs> it is in 2022 that's it for sure. is right and so you get a lot there's microwaves uh micro micro suede seats uh heated up front 12-way power like for the, the driver i'm sorry i'm thinking about microwave seats now <laughs> i know microwave seats they warm up the They're great in winter, winter temperatures um, four-way power passenger seat. You've got a leather-covered steering wheel. There's ambient lighting. And mine was all red inside, this bright, like, cherry red micro suede. It looks absolutely fantastic. It looks like a it looks like a more expensive sports car when you open the door. I mean, you easily think this is going to cost more. And even the design from the outside, it's just a really attractive car. Even the, like the Integra, it's really kind of cool. So you have to like look at it, find an image somewhere. But Integra isn't actually like stuck to it, like, you know, a little plate that's stuck to the car. It's like embossed into it. So it's like, it's, it's like you stamped it into it and it says Integra. It's really kind of neat. So it's, it's a nice package with interior and exterior styling, good performance, good technology, um, it, and gosh, thank you for putting a manual transmission in this Acura. I love you. I heart you. Thank you for doing that because it's so nice to have one and have one that's good. So I loved this. In fact, my husband had said, he said, if I was looking for like a car, like, cause he has, you know, his little Wrangler four by E. So his little SUV ish thing. He's like, if I was just looking for a sedan, this would totally be on my list because this is just such a nice, fun little car and it's not outrageously expensive, but it looks and feels fantastic. So, I mean, uh, under the skin, this yes. is basically a Civic Si. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this costs about $3,000 more than a Civic mm -hmm. Si. Is it worth $3,000 more? The Civic Si feels compact. You know you're in a compact vehicle. It's kind of low. It's tighter. If you want a little bit more space, if you're going to put people in the back seat on anything more than like the odd occasion, Yes, 100%. Because this, it doesn't seem like it's that much bigger, but it, it makes a difference. It is roomier. Like, my husband's 6'3", right? So when he gets in the Civic, it's a little snug for him. You know, a little bit snug. Not too tight, but it's snug. Like, he's packed, he's, you know, he's, he fits and that's it. And there's, like, no room behind him for whoever's sitting behind him. Like, you really can't sit behind somebody who's 6'3 when you're in a Civic. Here, you totally can because my daughter did. So he had the seat, the passenger seat adjusted where he wanted it to be comfortable up front. My daughter's 18. She sat behind him and her knees weren't mashed against the backs of the front seats. So it does give you a little bit more. It's a little bit more. You know what I mean? It's a, a little, little bit more. A little bit. Just a little bit more. So I. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sam. That, well, that, I mean, that's, that Civic, that Civic uh, transmission is. Outstanding. So I'm, mm -hmm. a, I'm a, it's probably still outstanding here. Still outstanding. Loved it. Still loved outstanding. it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. It's a nicer. It's a nicer Civic Si. It's a nicer Civic Si. You want a little bit more like a little something something. A little more. A little more civilized, maybe. Not quite so much little thrashy little hashback. Yeah. A little more civilized. Get yourself in huh. Integra. I mean, the, I'm I'm just looking at the specs, and the it's actually only about an inch and a half longer. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And it's got the same wheelbase as the Civic. Same. Well, it feels. I don't know what's different, but there's definitely. I don't know if it's the positioning of the seats. However, they moved it. There is definitely not the same tightness behind those rear seats. Okay. I don't know if it's the angle of the seats. I'll take your word for it. It feels roomier. Hey, my child wasn't squished. I know much. Here's what I can. My child was squished in the Civic Si, not squished in the Acura Integra. So there you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's that's all that matters. You just don't want your kids to get squished. You don't want your kids to be squished. Yeah. You got a manual transmission and no squished kids. You're Mm -hmm. good to go. Exactly. Four doors. You know, I I I railed against the fact that it wasn't a coupe, but you know, they would have had to get a whole other platform blah 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 in order to make it and that's not a thing and i think you know the fact that it is a hatchback you know is is actually a really good thing because oh, yeah. it, it, does, makes it, it does make that that rear end a lot more usable mm-hmm. know, even even if you've got the rear seats up you can still put it's easier to put larger stuff in the back of this than it is uh, you know if you if it was a sedan you know, with a yeah. tiny little trunk opening. Right. Um, so yeah. you can put bigger stuff in there. And then if, if you uh, fold down the rear seats, you can put really big stuff in there. You get a ton of room back there. Because it's uh, not just the fact that there's like the, the actual cubic feet, although there's more, it's how those cubic feet are laid out. You know, right. having that hatchback, you can put much bigger, much bigger things into it than you can if you just have a standard trunk. Way bigger. Okay. Word. Word. Very good. All right. Um, you... Didn't drive well. You didn't have any regular thing that you drove this week, right, Robbie? I <laughs> drove uh, my cars this week. Okay, I can tell you about the 2004 uh, Jaguar X-Type. Uh, <laughs> Did that actually run? Three three liter Sport. <laughs> yeah, it runs. It runs. Yeah, I drive huh? it around. The dogs. We go for little drives with it. Uh, okay. It needs new suspension though. I need to oh. replace the, uh, the, the the shocks and the springs, and and raise it up, and put knobbies on it, and then turn into a safari car <laughs> all right i i had something that was very much not a safari car um but is uh probably i think pretty similar in size to your uh to your x-type uh, which is the uh the cadillac ct4 v blackwing uh which is maybe a little bit too much name uh but <laughs> it is but, a lot of name it th- this is this is what the ct4 v should have been when it launched a couple of years ago i, I drove one I think in 2020, the, the regular CT4V uh, before they debuted the Blackwing. Um, and while I like the size of the CT4, you know, and for, for me, you know, I don't need a big honking sedan. You know, I, I like a smaller car, and I like the size of the CT4. Um, but I was disappointed by the 2.7-liter turbo four-cylinder that they have in the V, which is the same engine that they debuted a couple of years ago as the base engine for the Silverado and Sierra pickup trucks. Um, you know, it's fairly torquey, but it's, it's mm. not much fun to drive, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blackwing goes back to what the previous ATS, ATS-V was. Um, with, you know, before the pre-Blackwing days, um, the ATS-V had a 3.6-liter twin-turbo V6 engine. Um, and that is the engine that they have brought back for this vehicle. And it is wonderful. Um, it uh, Let's see. It uh, generates 472 horsepower uh, and 445 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, and 
Cadillac uh, offers, you can get this with either a 10-speed automatic transmission or a six-speed manual. Yay. Unfortunately, the one that landed in my driveway had the 10-speed automatic. Oh, uh, man. Wah, wah. Bummer. Um, but um, it's still a great engine. Um, and it, it the the automatic is, you know, as is often the case these days, is actually slightly quicker to accelerate than the manual just because it, it can do that stuff faster than almost any, you know, anything resembling a normal human being, not a race car driver. Uh, can achieve, and oftentimes more, faster than a race car driver can do. Um, but the with the black wing, you get uh, the heavily bolstered seats. Uh, it comes with a bunch of carbon fiber bits, uh, little dive planes on the front corners, uh, a big spoiler that goes on the rear trunk lid, uh, uh, front uh, also a carbon fiber front front splitter. Uh, all, all in the name of downforce, you know, basically trying to transform this into a track car. And I actually just saw uh, this morning today as we're recording this, this is Sunday, uh, June 26th, um, <clears throat> at Watkins Glen, uh, where they're having the six hours of Watkins Glen IMSA race. Uh, Cadillac is going to be unveiling a special track edition of the, the CT4 Blackwing. Um, and uh, I'm not quite sure yet what's going to be in that one, but that should be even more of, of what this is. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, – and if you get the, the Blackwing with, um, with the manual transmission, they actually put titanium connecting rods in there instead of steel rods, um, presumably to uh, let it rev even a little bit faster and, and also to protect them a little bit more in case you uh, let it rev a little too fast. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is, this is a fantastic car to drive with the black wing. You get, um, the Magna ride dampers on all four corners, which, uh, if you've ever driven a vehicle with, uh, especially a high performance vehicle with Magna ride dampers, um, you will be or actually the, those are, those are, sorry, those are actually optional. They're, they're not standard. Um, it comes standard with, uh, some, uh, ZF MVS passive dampers. But the, if you ever drive anything with Magna Ride dampers, you will be shocked at how good the ride quality can be, uh, with even even with you know the stiff springs and um, the limited uh, wheel travel you can get. It's it's actually very reasonable to drive even on uh, what passes for roads often in Michigan. Um, it's got an electronic limited slip rear end rear differential. Um, Big uh, Brembo brakes, six-piston uh, calipers on the front, four-piston calipers on the rear, uh, high-performance tires uh, on 18-inch wheels, uh, which is nice because, you know, that's less uh, unsprung weight. Um, and, you know, frankly, you know, a car this size, it doesn't need 20 or 22-inch wheels. It, it looks fine on 18s. Um, so I had a lot of fun driving this thing. It is really quick off the line. Uh, it'll do zero to 60 in, in well under four seconds. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually clock it, but you know, it, it feels fast, um, with the automatic, with the, the paddles, you know, it responds, uh, surprisingly rapidly. Um, and, uh, uh, it, it just goes, um, you know, it, the, it's very responsive. The steering feedback is great. You know, if you're looking for, an alternative to something like a BMW M M4 uh, competition um, or, 
well, I guess what would be uh, Mercedes uh, C6, Mercedes AMG C63. Um, this, you know, this is a great alternative to cars like that. Um, if you want something a little bit different that you're not going to see everywhere. Um, the one that I drove, the, the base price um, on the um, on the CT4 Blackwing is uh, about $65,000. Let me find that Monroni here. Yeah, it's about 60, uh, or sorry, 50, $58,000, <clears throat> or $59,000 total as the, the base price. Optioned up uh, with everything that I had on this one, which included the leather seats, the suede microfiber uh, trim package, um, the carbon fiber package, <clears throat> which is $4,350, um, the 10-speed automatic, which is $2,275, uh, and uh, assorted other bits and pieces. It came to a which grand Which you shouldn't total. even get, by the way. Don't get the mm -hmm. automatic. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get the automatic. <laughs> save, save your money. Get, yeah, don't do that. Um, it came to a grand total of $76,560 delivered. Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, if what you're looking for is a car that gets great fuel economy in these days of, you know, 5 to 7 to $8 a gallon gasoline, mm. it's probably not your best choice. But, um, you know, if you're going to spend money on a high-performance sedan, um, you know, forget about that. Just just drive it. You'll you'll enjoy it. Um, it, do, it unfortunately, um, if you need to carry um, third and fourth uh, passengers with you on a regular basis, um, unless they're short, um, you, may, you might want to opt for the CT5 Blackwing instead uh, because the back seat is pretty tight in this, especially footroom. Um, there's not a lot of foot room or not a lot of leg room in this, but if it's mainly just you and your, your partner, uh, most of the time, uh, go for it. This, this is a great car. I loved driving this thing. I'm, I don't, why did it even have the V on there if they have the black wing? Just call it the CT4. I know uh, that's, that's what I was calling yeah, it. Yeah. The V, just, I feel like they just, need all that. a little bit too much. It's too much. Yeah. Settle down. Settle or down. just drop the other CT4V and just call this the CT4V. Which is probably what it should have been. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's another thing. You could have done yeah. it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Um, let's get into some of the other stuff that happened this week. Um, just before we started recording, um, Nicole told us her tales of woe of trying to get to uh, <laughs> try, trying to get to uh, Utah this week. I was supposed uh, which, to drive the lyric, but then Delta's like, "No, that's what you think." Well, I yeah. mean, if you really wanted to, you could have gotten an hour or two in the lyric. I know it would have. It, no, it, it sounds like she would have got forty-five minutes in the lyric. I would have gotten forty-five yeah. minutes in the lyric. I would have flown. I would have spent more time in an airplane than I would have actually in the lyric. Yeah. So, unfortunately, when they bumped my flight by, you know, oh, eight hours, I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work for a twenty-four hour turnaround program. I'm like, now I just kind of like land. Hi. Take my Diet Coke, leave out. <laughs> that would have been it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your Diet I would like my free Diet Coke, please. I like my free Diet Coke I'm from out. you guys, and now I'm gone. <laughs> but uh, but Roberto and I did get to drive the new Cadillac Lyric. What, uh, dun, dun, dun. what, what did you Ever. think of it, Robbie? Uh, outstanding. I got into it. Uh, the first, I have to shoot video for this. The video will be on Engadget if you want to see me walking around with hair that I should have cut before I did this. Um <laughs> But, you know, like the, the first, like, they're like, okay, the first day you get the car, you can go get content, you know. And so I, I, I drove the car, like, 30 minutes away. And even within the first five, ten minutes, you're like, wow, this is really nice. This is, this is, and, and I don't want to say surprisingly nice, but I will. I don't care. Surprisingly nice <laughs> because <laughs> it's, <clears throat> there are three uh, Ultium vehicles that are on the road right now. Uh, and I've driven all three. Um, one is the Hummer, which is just ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you, you have a lot of money, and you just want to be the most ridiculous person on the planet. There you go. Get a Hummer. That's the go. most accurate assessment. That's, yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty much. That's it. If you want to be ridiculous, get a Hummer. Here's your ridiculous. The second is the Bright Drop. I think it's called Vivo 600 now. Zevo. Zevo. I've written the article about this, and, I, and like the fact that they changed the name has thrown me off. Um, which is you know a really good uh, delivery van, but you know no one can buy it. Or no one should buy it unless you you have a company that you need a, a delivery van. And I don't know. It might make a pretty cool camper. It with that range of over two hundred of two hundred fifty miles loaded, which means the over you know unloaded it would probably do it probably three twenty I think is uh, I was talking to somebody about it. Um, <clears throat> so if you yeah if you can if you can swing that go for it. But uh, and then this and this is like the first like regular person version of a uh, of a lyric. A regular person who can afford sixty thousand dollars, but still a regular person uh, version of a lyric. And as a Cadillac, it's it's you know they did everything they needed to do to build a Cadillac EV SUV. 
I feel like. I think the, the interior is nice. It drives really well. It has just the right amount of, of uh, acceleration and sort of sportiness. Sort of sportiness is, I think, how you should – uh, you should say it's, it's definitely not a <laughs> yeah it's not a black well movie. at least in this this first this first uh, version yeah I, yeah I would agree with that it's uh it but but really it is a it is a very nice very comfortable very creepily quiet in some instances <laughs> uh, vehicle um, and yeah I, I really liked it um you know hats off to the to the to the engineers over there um you know they kept telling me. Over and over, we wanted to make the best Cadillac. We wanted to make the best Cadillac. I'm like, hey, shouldn't that be every Cadillac you build? But sure, okay. <laughs> shouldn't that be the goal for every time you're making a car? The new best. Make- well, I mean, I, this I, one's ideal, even more ideally, best version of each this. one should be better than the one before. Yeah, yeah. It's which more is best. you know, which you know, and Cadillac. I think design-wise, Cadillac's really sort of been killing it for the last you know five ten years so far. Um, you know, when I show up, when I've shown up somewhere with a Cadillac sedan, people are like, "What is that?" Which is kind of sad because it's a Cadillac. They're like, "Oh man, this looks great." I'm like, "Oh, it's not. Maybe it's not working so well." But, <laughs> but uh, for those of you, for those of have who have uh, had a chance to, to drive, especially the sedans, and uh, just kind of throw your friends in them, um, if you're looking for an EV version of that that's not loud that's very uh very nice very luxurious for what it is uh yeah the the, the lyric is yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the celestic however we're calling it however yeah celestic or is celestic. it celestic no they they, they cadillac is has it said ce- it's celestic celestic okay uh, it should have like been lyric celestic. it should have like been celestic yeah. well i mean we can call it whatever we want that's true I, yeah well, i call it uh, the escalade the escalada so escalada. You know. Mmm, delicious escalada. The escalada, hot <laughs> sauce. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I really, I really liked it. I'm, 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 I'm. The, the the current generation of EVs, everyone's coming out with really nice vehicles. Is what it comes down to. Well, not everyone, but most people are coming out. With really nice, <laughs> you know, they're they're hitting that that stride where it's not. You know, I think we talked about this before. It's not a good EV. It's a good car that happens to be an EV. Is yeah. what's happening. Which is what you really want these to be increasingly. Like it shouldn't, it yeah. shouldn't be that they're that different. Like there was a moment you're like, oh my gosh, this is an EV and it's cool. They're becoming, I mean, they're not mainstream. It's still a really small percentage of people who actually own one. But in terms of how they're addressing them, just start making them like seem like other cars. They just happen to have an electric powertrain or, you know, get, get rid of the, oh, it's good for an EV. Oh, it looks good for an EV. It's designed for an EV. This isn't bad. Just make it look like another car. Well, especially as we move past the the era of, you know, having you know a lot of big uh, price and tax incentives on right. buying EVs. You know, you, you, I, you know, I, in my in the course of my work as an analyst, you know, this is something I was telling automakers several years ago. Is you know, you got to get to the point where um, the, you know, the these vehicles are you know they can sell they can sell themselves you know in their on their own merits, mm-hmm. regardless of you know what what incentives there might be to buy one. Yeah, right. it just needs to be a really good vehicle right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know this this car, you know, is roughly the size of an Audi e-tron, uh, and it the battery is only a little bit bigger than the e-tron, but it has a hundred miles more range, uh, which you know I think is is really good. Um, it, it the battery the battery pack in here is basically half of the battery pack from the Hummer, the Hummer, you know, which is, so this has got 12 of GM's Altium modules in it. They, uh, the Hummer battery is a 20 and it's a 12, 12 module battery. 
um, the um, the Hummer has 24 modules stacked in two layers. So they basically just sliced it horizontally. And, you know, for every Hummer they build, they can build two of these uh, with the same same batteries. <laughs> just crazy to <laughs> think of. And the weight, probably. Did you earlier yeah. description the about material. it just being crazy? And <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, this, this has a, an EPA-estimated range for the rear-drive model anyway, which is all they're building right now, 312 miles versus, I think it's 320 um, for the, the Hummer. Yeah, you know, uh, with twice as much battery because it weighs not quite twice as much, but uh, quite a bit more than this. You know, the Hummer, you know, I think the launch edition Hummer is like almost 9,500 pounds. Uh, this one weighs about 5,600 pounds, which is actually heavy compared to, you know, some of the competition. It's about three or 400 pounds more than a Tesla Model Y, um, but um, it's a little bit lighter than the e-tron. Uh, and I agree with you, Robbie. I think you know it's it's a fantastic vehicle to drive. What's interesting, you know, this was this was a rare case where they actually, um, rather than delaying a product launch to fix stuff, they they actually pulled it ahead by nine months from the original launch date. You know, this what this car wasn't supposed to start production until the end of in North America until the end of this year. It was supposed to be starting production in China about right about now and then in North America at the end of the year and go on sale early next year. And you know, they're going to start delivering these either this week, you know, as we record this, you know, this coming week or next week is the plan to start deliveries. They've they've actually been building them, re- you know, ready for production for about a month and a half now. Uh, I don't know how many they've built, and and Cadillac isn't saying how you know what their production capacity is or how many they're going to build. Um, there there was a report from Reuters a couple of weeks ago uh, that, and you know somebody from Cadillac pointed me to that and said that number is in the right ballpark. And you know Reuters reported that they were planning to build twenty five thousand this year, and then ramp up next year. Twenty five thousand. That's a good. That's a good clip. In the middle of the year for a new vehicle, that's an EV right now during crazy times. Yeah. So, um, you know, the twenty twenty three model year lyrics are all sold out. Um, All the all the lyrics for the for this for this model year are um, the so called debut edition. Um, They're going to start production of the model year twenty four late in quarter Q one next year. So it's going to be a short relatively short model year for 23. Um, you can, they actually, this week opened up the order books for the model year 24 vehicles when they'll have some more trim levels available. Um, and one of the things when we walked out to, to go for a drive for the, you know, on the first day, um, my, my driving partner and I, uh, Chubba Chetta, uh, or sorry, no, I drove with Chubba on the second day. Um, Jeff Gilbert on the first day said, uh, would you like gray, gray or gray? Because right now, that is the only color you can get. And um, Jamie Brewer, the, the chief engineer, explained that part of the reason why it's only available in one color right now and only with the all-wheel drive version, or rear-wheel sorry, drive. the rear-wheel drive version, is because they had to pull everything ahead so much. One of the, the big challenges when you're building cars is actually um, color matching of components, different materials. So... When you've got metal parts and plastic parts next to each other that are supposed to be the same color, actually getting them to look exactly the same is really, really hard. And you know, if you look at a lot of Teslas, you'll see just how hard that is. Um, and so rather than try to rush things, 
they said, okay, we're going to focus on basically one configuration. I think about the only option that you have for these early ones is do you want 20-inch wheels or 22-inch wheels? Everything else is standard on these, including the color. Over the course of the next eight or nine months, they will add some more colors. And in the fall, they will add the rear, the all-wheel drive version, the dual-motor all-wheel drive. So what you get right now is a rear-wheel drive, 340 horsepower, and um, then the all-wheel drive one. And that, that motor, that electric motor that's on the rear axle, is basically the same one that they use in the Hummer, although the Hummer has three of them. Uh, two on the rear and one on the front. So there's only only one in here right now. And then for the all-wheel drive version, uh, they'll add uh, 160 horsepower motor on the front axle to give you 500 horsepower and all-wheel drive. Um, and when I asked about, you know, well, are we going to see something like, say, a Lyric Blackwing with, you know, three 340 horsepower motors? <laughs> Jamie just smiled and said, hmm, you never know. Oh, <laughs> we cannot potential do- exists. We cannot comment on future projects. Yeah. But we can no. smile broadly yeah. and smile. wink. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, so the, the only real problem that, uh, that we encountered with, uh, with the Lyric was some of the software for the infotainment system. Oh. Um, and, you know, these were, these were very early pre-production cars that they had there. They did not have the latest build of software in them. Um, and so there, there were some glitches in here, um, you know, according to Cadillac, they've got a couple of OTA software updates that they're going to be deploying to the, the cars that are built before they get delivered to customers in the next couple of weeks, um, that should fix most, if not all of these problems. Um, so like we had things like, and the, the one that I was driving, uh, when you put it in reverse, the backup camera wouldn't come on. Um, or it would, or some, sometimes it would come on after about 10 seconds. Other times it wouldn't come on at all until I put it back in drive. And then the backup camera would come on. Oh, as you're uh, driving away, it's showing you where you just went. Yes, That's exactly. super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always kind of cool because it throws you off. And it still has the backup camera while you're driving forward. Like, sometimes Whoa. they do that. Yeah. Like, And it's not even like there's something broken. Just some cars hold on to that longer. I hate that. I'm like, I don't need. It's freaking me out, man. What am it's I looking at? I'm going forward. It's very disorienting to see that on it's your It's also like, oh, is someone following me? You know, if you're a spy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's following me? But um, yeah, I mean, other other than that, you know, a couple other minor software glitches. I mean, the, the, I agree. The rest of it was great. It's really, really quiet when you drive it, um, and uh, you know, you can select you know between one pedal driving mode or you know basically coasting mode, and then the paddle on the left hand side of the steering wheel lets you do regen on demand, which they've had on the Bolt for a couple of years. Um, but they've changed it on this one. So instead of it being, you know, a couple of different steps of regen that you can select by tapping the paddle, um, now it's pressure sensitive. So you can control with your finger, you know, you lift off the accelerator, you can control with your finger how much additional regen you want to get um, from the paddle without touching the brake pedal. So just modulating that paddle, uh, you can control the amount of uh, braking you get, which, uh, you know, when, once you've get used to it and figure out, you know, how, how much is there, um, I thought worked really well. And the, the rear seat in this thing is really incredibly roomy. Um, what, did, what did you think, Robbie, about the fact that there's no frunk in this thing? Unless the frunk is really big, unless it can fit a, um, like a carry-on, I don't care. 
Yeah. That's that's really what it comes down to. It. Unless it's like, don't give me like a frunk where like, hey, look, you can put like an iPad in here. And I'm like, ah. And some of the frunks are like, it's like, that is this, like, that's, is the glove box bigger than this? Like, and, and I feel like they're just, you're right. It's kind of like they're it's just like, doing well, it to, to say do they're it. doing it. And it's kind of like, you know, if you can do it, it's actually going to be a useful spot. Have at it. If you can do it, and it's not going to hold anything more than your wallet. Maybe don't. Or maybe your charging cord. Yeah. Your Unless charging it's cord. like, you know, like the, the, the lightning or, or, you know, yeah. something huge or the the Maki. I I just don't I don't I don't care because if it's like a small one I won't even talk about it on video I don't I, yeah. like, really you just ignore it you're like eh whatever so I look at I'm like well this isn't even worth talking about I mean I guess if you're gonna hide one thing and they're like oh it's you know a couple of people told me it's more secure I'm like uh, yeah people just break into your car and they can pop the hood that's not a thing right <laughs> yeah no not more secure but okay breaking, if that makes you feel breaking better breaking in the cars is just like busting the driver's side window and opening the trunk it's, you can do the same thing with the, the trunk it's, you know. mm-hmm. yeah and, and unless you have a power operated hood like you have on the Rivian or the F-150 you know, it's not really it's it's not really it's not particularly convenient you know if it's, you, all, yeah, it's all heavy if, yeah if you've, if, you've, if, you've, if you've got stuff you know that you're carrying like you know if you come out of the grocery store or whatever and you have to open the, the driver's side door reach down Pop the hood in order to put something in the frunk. I mean, what's the point of that? That that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, there actually is some some not insignificant volume under the hood. I mean, we we open the hood and pop the plastic cover off to see how much was there. Was there actually space? there's actually a fair amount of space above the uh, above the the charger, the onboard charger. Um, Do you but, think it should have been frunk worthy, or is it enough that it makes sense that they didn't do a frunk? I, I'll put it this way: If they had wanted to do a frunk, they could have. Huh. Um, okay. You know, and and had it might not have been enough for a carry-on bag, but you know certainly enough for you know a couple of backpacks, you know, sure. and a couple, you know, bag or two of groceries, something like that. But again, unless they had put a power hood on there too, so you could open it externally, oh, it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't be particularly useful. Right. Especially um, as a as a Cadillac because it's supposed to be a luxury car, so now you're adding all this weight and all this extra compa- uh, complexity yeah. for like a kind of small frunk. And you know, uh, talking to uh, one person off the record, uh, they said you know part of what they were doing is package protecting for some future stuff that they want to do. Um, you know, uh, which you know may well include a you know a larger front motor than the one that's going to be going on there in the fall. You never Soft know. serve machine. Uh, mm-hmm. Could be, yeah, you know, Soft or machine, you know, coffee machine, coffee. maybe a, you I know, a three hundred and forty horsepower front motor. Nice little espresso machine yeah. up there. Yeah, a little espresso machine. There's a lot you yeah. can put up there. Yeah, so uh, you know, they're they're definitely looking at that stuff. Um, what else? Uh, oh, well, one other annoyance I did find uh, when before we got the the presentation on the first day and then and then went for our first drives, um, we were sitting in the uh, in the car in the, the, the hub, uh, the presentation area, looking around the interior and trying to figure out how to open the glove box. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Challenging? Was it weird? Uh, Too many things a, in the entertainment three, three system. Ta- three taps on the touchscreen. To open your glove? Wait, you can't? Yes. What? Really? There's no on button the touch- for the glove yeah, box. There's no button. Oh. There is, like a little, no. there is like a little cubby like underneath the infotainment yeah. system that's about the size of a glove box so you can put things in it. The glove box it. is actually pretty big. It, it's yeah. It's got if quite you, a bit of space in there. If you take the time to open it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's three taps, you know, to go down, drill down through a couple steps of the What menu. was the logic behind that? Did anyone address why they decided <sighs> that needed to be in the infotainment screen? Clever uh, for the sake of clever. Yeah. 
you know, too too much uh, software defined vehicle. Sometimes, mm. sometimes there's some things that shouldn't be controlled by software. They should just just put a button on there and be done with it. And you it. guys, that's from an engineer. So designers take note. That was an engineer who just yeah. said sometimes things don't need to be controlled with software. <laughs> it just needs a button, like yeah. old school yeah. people. But they do have <laughs> physical switches for the climate control stuff, which is good. That was that was good. But no drive mode buttons. So you have to go into the infotainment system. Yes, that, which is that's two true taps well. to get to. You hit the tap, and then it, it takes fewer taps it. to change the drive mode than it does to open the glove box. Oh which you'll God. do more often anyway. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I open the glove still. box on on our cars to put the new uh, registration. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, if you if you get pulled over. Um, you Hold know, on. And, and tap, you tap, 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 and you're panicking. Where, I know it's in, excuse me, officer. I know it's in in this menu somewhere. Give me just a second. I swear I'll get you my license and registration. Yeah, if, Give if me a minute. If you do it once a year, you're like, oh, man, where's the glove box? You're like, Hold on. i got to open up the owner's manual. Oh, my God. <laughs> Scrolling through. Maybe you won't get a ticket because the cop's just like, you know what? Forget it. It's Forget not it. worth the hassle. It's not worth the hassle. Yeah. <laughs> so there's oh, that's that. funny. Um, but... Uh, we we did have um, a couple of questions that were related uh, to the uh, the lyric. Um, one was uh, from Surtur. Um, How long does the caddy take to get full and eighty percent full using the fastest charger available? Could it be used as a road trip car with a distance of say six hundred miles in a day? Um, six hundred so, miles is a long way. Yeah. So you know they they didn't specifically say you know how long it ta- and and they don't specifically say how long it takes to get to full you know and obviously it depends on you know what your starting point is but the lyric does support 190 kilowatt dc fast charging uh which is faster than most um and what they do say is it'll do up to 76 it'll add up to 76 miles of range in about 10 minutes uh, of charge time uh so that's that's pretty good um you know what we can estimate, you know, the 312, uh, or sorry, 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, you got 190 kilowatt charging. To do basically a full charge is probably going to take you somewhere between 40 and 45 minutes. You know, um, you can probably get to 80% in under 30 minutes um, yeah. with, with this thing. So that's if, you know that's that's pretty reasonable I think. So and if you're doing 600 miles in a day, unless you're someone who drives 600 miles on the regular, you're going to pull mm-hmm. over about two every 200 miles or so. Yeah, right. and you're going to want to sit down and stretch, and you throw that thing on there for 30 minutes, and you'll be get it ready to go again. So yes, you can do a 600 mile road trip in a day. Yeah, um, and you know the 109, you know 312 miles. You know, I mean that's comparable to what you're getting from a Tesla. The the only question is, you know, is it actually going to, you know, is the charging going to be as reliable as what you get from superchargers? Mm. And that's, mm. you know, that's still a, a, a very open question. Um, I actually talked with uh, uh, some folks from GM's infrastructure group a couple of days ago about an announcement they were making. They're, they're actually adding plug and charge capability to all of their EVs as, as opposed to plug and charge, you know, like with an ampersand. Uh, which is plug and charge is is the the standard that uh, Ford and Volkswagen and Porsche and a few other manufacturers have started to implement, and Electrify America supports that. In theory, at least, means that you know you set up your payment information in your car, or your 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 automaker account one time, you pull up to a plug and charge compatible charger, plug it in, and it just you know it talks to the car figures out, you know, who to bill and 
just starts charging and you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to do any accounts or tapping an RFID card or, or anything else. Um, it just charges. And um, GM is adding this to their EVs. Um, it's a slightly different version of the same concept. Um, they're doing it with EVgo first, and they'll be adding other charging charge network operators over the, the course of the next year or so. Um, but EVgo is their, their main partner, and um, theirs is plug and spelled out A and D charge. But it does basically. It's supposed to do basically the same thing. We'll see if it actually works any better than plug and charge. Um, but uh, that's you know that should help hopefully as long as the chargers themselves are actually functional. If the chargers, if, the, <laughs> if EVgo and Electrify America and ChargePoint and all the others don't actually keep their chargers working, then all of this is none a of it point matters. Yeah. yeah, they're doing better. Yeah. I will say, you know anecdotal, they are anecdotal aid, but you know it's early days still. But uh, can we just? Get, oh my God! Why? Why? Can we just pick a, pick a good like, setting, plug in charge, plug and charge, <laughs> just just pick one well, and everyone do it because it's already too. It's already a, It's already an extremely complex system. So like, okay, now this car has to talk to this charger, and the softwares have to be you know besties. And really, like, oh, we, we, we've what? created another pro, another thing. I'm like, you're totally it's like, right. Because it's like, because it's hard enough for people to make the idea like, well, now I have to think about where I'm going to go and where I'm going to charge and I have to plug in and I have to plan for this time and I can only do this many miles. And it's not like there's a gas station in every corner and it takes me 10 minutes to fill my tank. I could have to spend there for half an hour. It's already enough of a like mental obstacle for people to overcome making the switch. Now it's like, oh, no, it's not just any gas station. Imagine. There's 15 different kinds of pumps that you might want to yeah. use. And you have to see if the, what you have on your phone lets you use that pump. And if it doesn't, they make it like you, they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot with this. Come with one. Make it work. That would be so nice. That would be pick so a, nice. Pick a thing, people. Pick a thing. Pick a pick thing. Pick a thing. One thing. Pick one. Don't be greedy. One thing. Yep. Um, another question we had about the lyric from John Halkius. Uh, how does the lyric compare the lyric luxury compare to the other luxury brands? iPace, iX, Etron, etc. In so far as interior and ride quality, um, what do you think, Robbie? It's very, very nice. Um, I, I really like the interior, except for one thing that someone else actually pointed out to me, and that is the little plastic that's along the center console. If mm-hmm. you tap it, it doesn't feel good. It, it makes like a weird little. So I actually, and it, it's, <laughs> you just turn it into a snare drum. <laughs> did turn it into a snare drum. That's it's one, one of those things that once once heard can never be unheard. Yes. Yeah, so, so hopefully, I mean, we were driving pre-production or early production or whatever they want to call it. You know, they're not you know they're not the ones that are going to be sold to to regular folks. These things will probably be smashed later on, um, or maybe fixed. Who knows? Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that. The, uh, outside of that one thing, where I literally I couldn't stop tapping it once I started <laughs> tapping on it. Um, it's actually really, really nice. It drives really nice. Um, you know, I think the Audi is, um, has a, you know, is a bit more sporty because it is an Audi. That's their brand. And the I-Pace is, you know, you know, I want to give a lot of props out to Jaguar. Jaguar, of all people to come out, they came out with an EV really early compared to everyone else. And I think the I-Pace is a good car, but I think it's also very long in the twos at this point. Yeah. No, I, That's I a agree. Challenge. If you were early to the, if you were early in on any of it, the changes are happening so fast that it's something that would have made it for five or six or seven years and looked okay before suddenly 
it looks horribly dated really fast because it's changing so quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah th- that's the punishment, was, which is unfair almost because they were early out of the gate and it's like, now you're punished because your car looks old. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That, that's, that's exactly what it is. They're, they're sort of, I mean, that's why I think, you know, the, the, the federal tax credit should be extended to Tesla and GM because they're being punished right now for doing a good job early on. And soon yeah. Toyota will be also punished for that. You know, you did a good job early on. Now you don't get any any nice things. Yep. Like, oh. Yeah. Now you ha- now, right. you, now your dealers have to explain why they can go over to, the, you know, the Audi uh, dealership and still get a discount, but they can't get it here or a tax break, not a discount. All right. Uh, let's let's stick with EVs uh, for just a couple more minutes before we get into uh, something else that uh, Nicole drove, um, which is the uh, the Polestar Five prototype, which. Uh, this weekend was being shown off at uh, the Goodwood Festival of Speed in the UK. Uh, what do you what do you two think of the uh, Polestar Five? It looks fantastic. I really like the way it looks. Um, man, I'm, I'm, I, I you know I got invited to Goodwood and I had to say no because of oh, no. the lyric. And then I just I, I have a lot of stuff going on in my life that I'm like I can't go on every trip. And now, like, looking, and there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in Goodwood. It's like, oh, sad face Robbie. But (laughs) (laughs) sad face Robbie. (laughs) This Polestar 5 looks so good. Oh, man. It's, I know people, and there's probably a lot of people who bought a Polestar 2. I'm like, oh, I should have (laughs) waited. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is still a couple of years away. You know, if they they leased one, you know, in the last year, you know, by the time this comes out, you know, they'll be just about done with the lease on their Polestar 2. And, they can upgrade to the five. That's, um, the, that's the that's the that's the dream. Yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> upgrade, upgrade. Yeah, this, this is <clears throat> yeah. Like unlike the the Polestar two, which has a very Volvo vibe to it. Yeah, what I think starting with the three coming this later this year, and then the four and the five. You know, there's Polestar is trying to starting to move in their own design direction. You know, and this thing, you know, it's a it's a fastback sedan. I'm not sure if it's a hatchback or not, but it's certainly a fastback. You know, very much in the the vein of you know an e-tron GT, um, but it still retains the Thor's hammer lights, which I think is, I thought is I just, interesting. How can you get rid of that Thor's hammer lights? That's the coolest name. Like everybody can come up with whatever they want to call their fancy yeah. lights. None of you are going to beat the fact that they call him Thor's hammer. Thor's yeah. hammer. Really? That's cool. And this looks great. The car does look really good in these, these and early images. It looks pretty fancy pants. 884 like horsepower. So you can't, can't complain about that. That should be an acceptable amount of horsepower, I guess. I, I think, you I know, mean, in, in, in the uh, old okay. days, in the old days, you know, Rolls Royce never used to say how power, you know, how much power their vehicles had. It was just really? simply, yeah, it was, it was always just listed as adequate. No way. Was it? I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, until until wow. about twenty years ago, when BMW took over Rolls Royce, they Rolls Royce never listed the power output for any of their engines. No it kidding. Was what? Because adequate. they figured like, no, if you need it's, to add, this is you're buying a Rolls Royce. Also, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, it's got twelve hundred. No one cares because you have a Rolls Royce and it's you adequate. Yeah. Right, you're never going to be like... Which is the most British thing ever. <laughs> it's adequate. But I feel like also if you bought a Rolls, I almost feel like, I want to custom this, I want more. Somehow Rolls Royce would be like, okay, we can work on that for you. How much money you got? <laughs> yeah. Just give us your, your, your PIN number. Right. I guess PIN number is a PIN number. That's like saying ATM machine. Just give us your PIN. Yeah. Oh, I never or, or, you know, your, your routing, uh, routing transfer number right, you know, for your account. Um, or just, just, put you know, just the account, account number for your Swiss bank account. 
just yeah. put us on for your, your Swiss bank account yeah. <laughs> because you probably have one if you're buying a Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it seems seems reasonable to me. Are we gonna, um, how much money are we going to spend sending your kids to school to college? All right, double that and send it to us. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 884 horsepower. It's getting an 800 volt electrical architecture, which means it should be able nice. to charge really fast. Um, and uh, uh, this, you know, I think this is this looks like it's going to be a lovely car. Uh, and then you know, this fall or late this year, early next year, uh, we get the uh, the Polestar three. <clears throat> which is going to be unveiled in October. Uh, I don't think it'll actually be on sale till early in the new year. Uh, and then next year, the Polestar 4, which is a smaller crossover, uh, a, a, a smaller electric performance SUV coupe, they call it. Uh, so um, looks like Polestar, you know, and they just listed on the, uh, the NASDAQ stock exchange this week. Uh, so, you know, looks like they're, they're well on their way. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they have a Polestar uh, dealer. Well, it's like a showroom it's like a room with some cars. Anyway, they have uh, they have they have some here in the Bay Area, and I see a lot of Polestars in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um. So they're yeah for 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 the markets that they want to sell in, they they seem to be doing pretty well. Again, the Bay Area is not the rest of the world. That's true. It's not. It is very much not the rest of the world. Yeah, we we, we live in a fantasy fun land. You're like, hey, yeah. you want an EV? There's fifty of them right over there. There's two <laughs> chargers. Like there's char there's two chargers within five minutes of me on either side of me. Two EA chargers. There's another charger down the street. <laughs> yeah, again, the, the, yeah, the Bay Area is a crazy land. Okay. Uh, Nicole, back to Honda. Yes. Uh, Honda. You, you've driven the HRV. I have driven the Herb. Yes. The Herb. The Herb. Like the Honda Herb. <laughs> I'm going to call it the Honda Herb. Uh, yeah. So, how was the Herb? The Herb, I actually really liked it. We complained about the way it looked last week, or I think at least I did. I don't know if you. I, I don't know if I complained about the way it looked. I, I, Maybe it was I, me? I don't know. I know I did. But. You did? Maybe I yeah. complained and I changed my mind. I don't know. I think, no. So they have a new HRV um, that I don't think I have a problem with how it looks. I, I didn't think it was particularly meh or anything. I was think I was pleased with it. Um, it was a nice, it was fun to drive. I mean, I am not a fan of the old HRV. I hated it. I didn't like <laughs> yeah. it. It was, no, it was, it was, it was just. That don't hold back. Tell us what you really thought. It was, but it was like, you guys, it was so, the engine was so underpowered and it was so whiny and it was so loud. And if you had to, I had to take that thing on a drive up like into Vermont and from here. And it was a couple hours in the car. I couldn't wait to get out of that car. Um, I, that doesn't often happen. The old one, the new one, I thoroughly enjoyed. It was an entirely different vehicle to drive. It feels much better. It looks better. I feel like the interior quality no longer has that sort of plasticky kind of cheesiness. I mean, it felt, it, it used to feel like a cheap crossover. I know they sold a, a ton of them. It was like, a, it sold really well. From what I understand, last time I looked at numbers, it sold really well. But I just felt like there were a lot of other things too in the segment that did it better. Now, uh, not so much. I think that they've, they made it a little bit wider. They made it a little bit longer. They made, you know, they've changed some of the materials that are inside. It has a good amount of room for cargo. They updated infotainment. I mean, there's nothing they didn't really touch in this. Everything got a little bit of attention. So everything is better, including the engine. There's a new two liter four cylinder, 158 horsepower, 138 pound feet of torque. Um, it's again, 158, not a huge number, but sometimes it doesn't have to be a huge number to do the job. This, this is fine for this vehicle. It accelerates strongly, although it's not aggressive, but now it gets up 
to highway speeds and doesn't feel like you might not actually make it to 55. It feels like it's going to make it now. And it <laughs> also, it. it's like, it's not going to make it. We're going to have to find a side road. And now it feels like it, the, there's a, there's still a CVT, but they've updated it. So with the new engine and the new CVT, the combination is better than it used to be. So it's not that one is outstanding. It's that both of them together take a little step forward and that makes it, big step forward for the vehicle overall. Um, we took it where we were, we were in Oregon driving this and it was, we have this like very, they give us this one stretch of these really twisty turny roads that we got to drive on really twist, turn, twist, turn, twist, turn. And that's the kind of thing. If you have a car that doesn't handle well, it's going to show itself right off the bat. Cause you feel like you're always going too wide in every turn. It doesn't, it handles well, not a sports car, but it handles nicely. And it was quiet it has an affordable starting price. It only starts at twenty four eight ninety five for the base trim. Um, that's not bad. You're getting yourself a little compact crossover that's you know got the and it also you know it's a Honda so it's going to hold up. You're not going to have to worry about the wheels falling off tomorrow. You know it holds up well. It's durable. It's sturdy. <laughs> well, you might you never know because you know <laughs> there's another company whose wheels are falling off and you know they're not somebody you'd usually associate with that. It, it sometimes it happens. I feel relatively certain that, that, that the wheels are not going to fall <laughs> off. <laughs> I have a high degree of confidence. <laughs> so. You've, you know, so it's, I think that they've, you know, there's still other vehicles, there's a lot of competition here, like the compact crossover, there's a lot of options to choose from. So I think they needed to take the HRV and make it better, like all around make it better, not just focus on one thing. And that's what they did. They made all the little pieces, the, the trims, the interior materials, the engine, the infotainment, everything is one step better. And by making all those things one step better, they overall create a much better vehicle. Yeah, well, does it still have the magic seat? Does not have the magic seat. Oh, bummer. I know. Because, um, you know, the, this time, the, the first generation HRV was based on the, the Fit platform, right. mm -hmm. which is also what the new HRV in the rest of the world is, is based still on. based on the, the Fit platform. Yes. Because Americans want everything bigger, um, right. you know, we got an HRV that's based on the Civic. So I think. Everything you say about the way it drives, the way it handles, seems consistent with, right. you know, it's basically a Civic. It's a Civic. You know, it's a taller Civic. I'm basically driving all the variants of the Civic, every version of Civic that doesn't say Civic is what all I've been driving all the time. <laughs> That's my thing. Well, we did Hyundai. What else did we do? We did another, but now we're on to the Civics. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, you would expect it to, to have similar kind of driving dynamics to the Civic. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it does. It you does. Know, and un unfortunately, you, you lose the magic seat. But, that, yeah, well. You lose the magic seat. But overall, I mean, that's – but see, even with losing that, I figure the gains I – I feel like the gains in all the other places make this something that I still – I still would recommend. I, st I like it. I, I l don't like losing the magic seat, but the other stuff is better, so I still like this better. Okay. Fair enough. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. um, there, there was one more um, listener question from AJ uh, oh. asking, uh, is Honda sticking with CVT transmissions forever? Yep. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> with, the odd, with the odd manual thrown in there for fun? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, at least, no you know, at, least until, at least until they switch over, everything over to electric, in which case they'll just ditch both manuals and automatics. Yeah. But, you know, point of fact, like I said, they redid the CVT in this one. They made it better. So, yeah, they're sticking with CVTs, but I think they're still working to make them better, better more refined, not as annoying. Yeah, so, yeah, still a CVT, but not as bad a CVT. They keep getting better. <laughs> okay. 
Um, let's see what else. Uh, one last item uh, for this week. Actually, second to last item. Um, Ford, um, this past week, invited uh, myself and uh, Elisa Prittle from Motor Trend and uh, Jordan Grzlewski from the Detroit News to visit their new dynamic driving simulator. Um, and uh, this is uh, a full motion simulator that uh, they, they've had one similar to this. They, actually, they've had a couple of these um, for a number of years already. They have, they have one elsewhere on their, for, on their product development center campus in Dearborn that um, is called Vertex. I think it goes back to the mid-2000s when they built that one. Um, that one doesn't have quite as much um, fidelity, as much, you know, it's, not, it's not as powerful in terms of how fast and, and how it can move the vehicle around um, for uh, for simulation, and they use that one mostly for doing um, human factors testing, you know, t- uh, human machine interface testing, um, you know. So it's got a little bit of motion to it, fair, well, fair bit of motion, but not not what this does. This is more similar to the one that they built at their uh, Ford Performance uh, Development Center in um, North Carolina back in 2014 for racing, or uh, and they they use that one for they used that one uh, for testing the original, the, the previous, the Ford GT, um, for a lot of the race cars, um, and then subsequently they used it for development work on the Lightning and the Mach E, um, as well as some other stuff. But now they have a new one in Dearborn, so they have more access to it for their production programs. The other one is it was really built more for for racing programs, and so this thing, you know, it's on these big hydraulic actuators uh it's got nine degrees of freedom for for moving around and we got to actually get in and drive it um and you know simulate driving um ford maverick uh, on some different roads and also uh, a lightning on some different road surfaces and also experience uh what it's like um doing some driver assist system uh testing with it so you know this thing is surrounded by a 270 degree screen uh you get in uh, you buckle in, uh, and then in the control room, they turn it on and, you know, it se- it feels very realistic, especially the motions you feel, you know, um, some of the different road surfaces, you know, it, it really feels like you're driving on these different road surfaces. It was really impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, this is something they're going to be using for all their programs going forward because what they can do do is they, they can model all the different dampers, the different springs and tires and everything else, and and the suspension um, architecture of, of different vehicles, and try out a lot of different stuff in the simulator before they have to build prototype parts. You know, and they can in the sim they can change damper settings you know instantly instead of having to go out to a track you know with you know five different sets of, of dampers and, you know, go out and run a bunch of laps and then come back into the garage, swap out the dampers, go out and run some more laps and, and gather all that data. They can do it in just a matter of hours in this simulator. It was really it's fun to cool. drive. Yeah, That's pretty cool. You know what it looks like? That's funny looking at the images. All I can think of, you ever seen those things when you're at like an amusement park or whatever, they have, you can create your own roller coaster ride mm-hmm. and then they have the little vehicle that you sit in and it, it creates the nausea inducing roller coaster ride that you invented. <laughs> it looks just like that. Yeah. <laughs> except, except this can move a lot faster, um, with a lot more fidelity and, you know, replicate real stuff. I would hope. <laughs> yeah. 
What was really fun was when I was driving the Maverick, uh, I found out the hard way that um, turns out that the, the model they had of the Maverick uh, did not have the ABS uh, set up in there yet. And so I'm Whoops. driving down this highway and I slammed on the brakes. I wanted to see what would happen, you know, when I slammed on the brakes. And all of a sudden, the back end of the thing is sliding around on me. And it felt like I was, like I was sliding in a car, uh, which was pretty cool, uh, without actually having to risk, you know, slamming into the guardrails or, or any other <laughs> vehicles around me. Sweet. So, Sweet. so that was fun. Um, the last thing we've got, uh, which I'll be dropping in here is an interview that I did with Jamie Brewer. Uh, Jamie is the, uh, executive chief engineer for the Cadillac Lyric. And we talked for, uh, about 15 minutes about some of the, uh, about the development of this, uh, this vehicle and some of the challenges they faced, especially with trying to accelerate the program and, and bring it forward. Um, so I'll drop that in here. Jamie Brewer, executive chief engineer on the Cadillac Lyric. Um, let's start with a quick little bit, bit of background on you. How long have you been with GM? I've been with GM about 23 years now. Um, been sort of all over the company, lots of different engineering roles. Started off um, doing performance work out of our proving grounds, noise and vibration, okay. mostly. And then moved into a lot of different release type activities. I've been in chassis, body, interiors, spent some time in the quality organization, and ultimately moved into... Good, good practice for Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then we did in these trolls, yeah. So um, when did you get involved with the Lyric program? And I guess when, when did the Lyric program kick off, and, and were you involved right from the beginning? Yeah, I got involved with the Lyric program about four years ago, right, right about four years ago. And I would say it had just sort of exited the architectural phase of our development cycle, mm-hmm. and we were starting to work on what we would call the top hat. So um, prior to that, it had been in where we call our advanced vehicle development group, Really working on the skateboard, figuring out how the Ultium battery pack was going to integrate with the chassis and the body structure, doing all of that sort of blank paper up front work. And then once we got to the point where the, the skateboard was pretty set and now we were starting to talk about things like ball of foot to front axle, front overhang, top hat, all of that. That's when I joined the team and started working on it from the from the top half of the architecture perspective. So what, uh, you know, what, as you were developing the... You know the, the architecture. I guess what was what was the 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 goal? You know what what was your theme around this vehicle? And why why choose this particular form factor? Yeah, um, the theme was that it was going to be the best Cadillac SUV we've ever done. Period. Irrespective of the propulsion technology. So we knew it was an EV vehicle, and that's great. But first and foremost, from my perspective, was this was going to be the best Cadillac we've ever done, and we were not going to compensate. Just because it was an electric vehicle does not mean we're compensating on the fact that it's a Cadillac. And so that was really, in all of the sort of conversations and debates as you go through vehicle development, that was sort of the North Star for me. And we we always went back to, okay, what is the right decision for this to be the best Cadillac SUV we've ever done? That's where we're going to go with it. Um, and, and that's been our North Star all along. And I think it's, I, I'm very proud with the results. And I do think this is one of the best Cadillacs we've ever put out. Yeah, I mean, it certainly, you know, visually, uh, and for this, because I want to put this up before next week, I'm not going to talk about the driving impressions, but, you know, from a from an aesthetic perspective, you know, both inside and out, you know, I think, you know, the team's done a phenomenal job. Um, and, uh, you know, 
I'm going to ask you a question that we've we've already talked about, but I want to get it recorded because this is this is a question that pops up all the time from people that are interested in EVs. You know, um, as far as the 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 architecture, you know, it 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 has in many ways, you know, a traditional SUV form factor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a, a longer hood, yep. um, but uh, there's no front storage. There's no front. Yep. Um, so. Give me that uh, explanation yeah, again. that's fair. So, and I'll tell you that the conversation around a frunk was had multiple times in many different forums. Um, this debut edition um, rear-wheel drive vehicle, and actually in all of our vehicles, we offer the ability for the 19.2 kilowatt at-home charger. That is a significant upgrade. It's actually the fastest charger, um, home charger in the industry today. It'll give you about 52 miles in an hour of charge. So you need a 100-amp circuit, but it is a great option for people that really want fast at-home charging. However, that does drive the need for a second onboard charge module to handle that type of conversion from AC to DC power, right? Once we package that second onboard charge module, the amount of space left for a frunk because we do obviously have other other underhood elements. Um, there was availability for a front, but it would have been on the smaller side. What we decided to do, and again, this goes back to sort of the North Star that I talked about, the best Cadillac irrespective of the propulsion system. The options were a small, small front in a medium-sized cargo area, or since we'd already sort of compromised the front with that second onboard charging unit, Take some more of the electrical modules that we package in the rear compartment. In a typical vehicle, any typical vehicle, you pull back your rear compartment trim, you're going to see a bunch of electrical modules bolted to the sidewall. And you lose inches of space on each side that could be used as cargo space. What we chose to do is take a bunch of those modules, move them under hood as well, fill up the under hood area, shrink wrap the rear cargo area, and now we've given you the largest possible rear cargo area. So you can either have a small frunk, in a medium-sized cargo area, or no frunk in a large cargo area. If we're thinking about the customer, the the opportunity for choice and to, to bring more items along with you on your trip lends itself to saying the large cargo area is the right decision. It's not trendy mm-hmm. from an EV perspective, sure. and I was okay with that. Quite and and you know, GM is doing frunks in other vehicles, like the Silverado yep. and the Hummer. and uh, It's, it's a vehicle by vehicle. What's the customer base, and what's the purpose of that vehicle? Uh-huh. And in this case, the purpose of the vehicle was to give the customer the best possible experience possible, and we felt that giving them the maximum cargo volume in the rear was, was the right decision. So um, in the course of developing this vehicle over the last several years, what what were the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? Um, you know, I, I guess one of the biggest ones, and it's funny that people don't usually think about it, but was noise and vibration in this vehicle. Um, if, if you think about a traditional ICE vehicle, we we tend to take um, we, we tend to forget the value of an internal combustion engine as it relates to masking other unwanted noises, right? Because it tends to dominate. It the dominates sound, yeah. and it balances out frequencies that would typically be considered obtrusive to the driver, but that they're not going to hear because of the dominance of the combustion engine, right? You get rid of that internal combustion engine, now you put a drive unit in, a drive unit is typically going to have a higher frequency sound to it than a combustion engine, first of all, but it's at a much lower decibel level, and now all of those annoying sounds start to become prominent. 
even road noise, wind noise, but all of the customer actuated, all of the modules, all of the pumps, all of the actuation sounds, all the switching frequencies, you start hearing all of those, right? So how do we now handle that? Because again, we still want to create that quiet oasis environment. Um, if you actually were to tear down a lyric, you'll notice we actually have more noise abatement content in the lyric than we have in its predecessor, the ICE vehicle, the XT5. That was because we are cognizant of the fact that we need to block more um, noises, we need to absorb more noises because we can't mask them, uh -huh. right? And then we go into things like our EV sound enhancement and our active noise cancellation, our advanced active noise cancellation, again, to get after those unwinded noises. So you'll notice when you're driving the vehicle, it very much is a quiet oasis, but that was not, um, that was on purpose. There was quite a bit of effort that went into creating that environment. And and this is a very quiet vehicle. Um, you know, wind noise was, was really well subdued. Thank you. Um, so... That you know that that clearly is you know an important thing when you're when you make that transition to EVs. Um, another area uh, you know that, and that something you lose with an internal combustion engine is a source of waste heat. And yeah. you know, living in Michigan, you know, winter weather, uh, you know, we rely on that waste heat to to keep cabin comfort in the winter time. And with an EV. You know, norm, you know, traditionally you've had to use energy from the battery so you lose range. Um, can you talk about the heat pump system a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so we do have a heat pump system which actually takes advantage of, to your point, waste heat. I mean, yes, engines create waste heat, but battery packs create waste heat as well. And if you look at the top of the, the, the battery pack, there's basically a heat sink that we're able to pull heat off of and turn into cabin heating. So um, it's actually helped quite a bit from our range as we look at doing our certificate our range certification the way that we are able to capture that waste heat and turn it into cabin comfort um that doesn't mean we never have to pull heat from the battery pack i mean all evs to your point dependent on the ambient temperature outside mm -hmm. to some extent we'll have to but the heat pump system and it is a it's a brand new system in the lyric and we're continuing to evolve it on our future evs is able to get us a benefit from reducing our dependency and pulling energy out of the, our high voltage system and turning it into cabin cabin cooling. Yeah, and I think you know that that whole you know anything you can do to improve the overall efficiency of the of the system, you know it, whether it's power electronics or the, the uh, climate control, is going to be important for EVs because yeah. you know the the batteries are you know despite the advances are still very big and heavy yes. and cost a lot of money. Um, so what um, you know. What, what would you say you're the most proud of with this car? Um, gosh, I'm I'm so proud of this car. I'll tell you that you know after you spent four years of your life working on something, um, it's hard to boil it down to just one thing. I um, I will say one of the things that that I do like to talk about a lot is uh, well the driving dynamics and the, the the steering and handling performance of the vehicle. I just absolutely love. I think we made the absolute right decision with the hard-mounted front cradle. We had a lot of back-and-forth conversation on that. But the steering precision you get out of this vehicle, um, the maneuverability, the road-hugging experience, I just think I think it was absolutely the right decision. So I am extremely proud of our driving dynamics. I personally like to drive the vehicle in sport mode. So hopefully um, your readers or, or uh, listeners will get a chance to do that because that gives you even that much more control over the vehicle. But I would say other besides the driving dynamics, um, I am extremely proud of how closely this vehicle is linked to the show car. 
if you look at um, the show car that was revealed a couple of years ago, and if you kind of go back over time and look at various show cars released by a multitude of companies, I'm not going to say just GM, and then you sort of take a look at the production variant of that vehicle, um, you're hard-pressed to really say they're the same vehicle, Uh right? If you look at the Lyric show car and you look at the Lyric production vehicle, you would be hard-pressed to name 10 things that were different. You can you can find little details little if you look details. really hard, but, yeah, right. it is very close to the, to and, the original. And the reason it's not done very often is because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. You have to take this beautiful, wonderful vision of your creative designers, and now you have to make it manufacturable. You have to have it be regulatory compliance. It's got to meet safety and crash. It's got to meet aero, performance, all the other... Um, all the other needs of the vehicle and the easiest thing to do is say you can't have that or you can't have that or we need to change that design or that design to go to a tried and true off the shelf design solution right Mm -hmm. Um, we were extremely focused on this program and not doing that The, the, the goal of this program was enable 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 the design and again it goes back to the North Star right the North Star is the best Cadillac SUV we've ever put out there. We trust, I trust, our creative design team to have the pulse of the customer as it, as it relates to the design and the styling of what that means. And so my job then was to work with the engineers to say, how might we enable? Uh-huh. And it was just a constant, yes, we can, how might we enable? And so when I put the production lyric next to the show car lyric, I am extremely proud. Uh, actually, you mentioned you know how hard it is to to do that. Another thing that was obviously really hard is pulling ahead the program by nine months. Yes. It's usually the other way around. Yes. Things usually get delayed. Uh, what what did you have to do to achieve that? We had to make sure that every team member working on it was all in because it was it was a very intense um, last year and a half to pull that nine months out. Um, a couple of the things we did, obviously, as you'll notice, our debut edition is one one trim. We let the team really focus in on doing the first trim, the debut edition, and doing it right. We let the manufacturing team really focus in on launching one trim level and doing it perfectly. Um, and then we start bringing the other trim levels on after that. But it really was just um, laser focus, I will say. Complete support from the senior leadership team up to and including Mary. If we needed something, we got it, quite frankly, on this program to, to, to get this vehicle launched ahead of schedule because the demand was so high. When you look at the hand raisers, we had like a quarter of a million hand raisers when we debuted this uh, this vehicle as a show car. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we the, the sooner we could get it out, the better we would be able to satisfy our customer base. And so it was really just what must be true, what do you need to make it happen, and how do we get you those resources along the way. Great. Any final thoughts you want to share? Um, I'm just really excited. I'm so glad to hear that you were able to drive it today. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I'm really excited for your viewers um, to get to ride it, drive it. I think the vehicle, quite frankly, speaks for itself once you get in it and you experience it. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate the time today. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Sam. And then uh, any final thoughts that uh, you got for this week? No, no final thoughts Uh, for me. All right. I'm I'm devoid of thought at this point. Devoid of thoughts. <laughs> wow. Rough day for you, Robbie. It's all, it's it's 9:48. I'm ready to go back to bed. <laughs> 9:48 a.m., not p.m., a.m. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, we we start early on Sundays for Robbie. Poor Ro- yeah, poor Robbie. Won't well, I was like, yeah, it's the up. weekend. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get up at 7.30 on Sunday. <sighs> All right, well, it'll be Sorry, fun. It'll be sorry, fun. buddy. At least I get to hang out with nice people. Oh, well, we love you too. We, we love you too. We, we try. We try to. Do I, this. I was talking about the people at the the coffee bean and tea leaf. No, I was no. <laughs> uh, never mind. You know what? You know what? I'm done with him. Forget it. Let's schedule I'm for eight a.m. Eastern next time. I don't even drink coffee. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.